welcome to the Taking the Charge podcast. It's been a long time since I was able to say that without any other extras. Of course, we're doing the Talking Talent, Gone Traveling Show on the on the Taking the Charge Substack. But we are now relaunching the Taking the Charge podcast. For those who know me, know that we had 300 episodes of the show Taking the Charge uh, that ended on June 13th, 2018. Uh, so that is a, for those <laughs> math geek numbers out there, that's 1,246 days, three years, four months, and tw- uh, 28 days. And, um, it was, uh, it was a, it was a good time to, to close up shop, if you will, um, to, you know, big round number 300, uh, of course, a couple of days after I uh, decided uh, that I would be ending the podcast, I had ran into a number of guests, uh, uh, people that I would love to have had on the show, but I had already had the the final uh, the final interviews for the podcast set up, and uh, and I decided then uh, been playing with the idea of relaunching the podcast, uh, taking the charge for 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 a while now, and. Uh, just kind of uh, with the start uh, with discovering. Thank you, Deacon Lloyd Smith, uh, for for giving me the planting the seed that is Substack. And uh, once that uh, once that was there and uh, looked more into that, I knew exactly what I wanted to needed to do, and that was to relaunch the Taking the Church podcast, talking about international basketball. If you like international basketball, if you like youth basketball. Uh, and if you like all aspects of basketball science, um, uh, finance, business, you know everything that's uh, that revolves around the game, uh, this is a podcast for you. It's an inter- it's an interview based podcast. Each week, uh, I will have a, a a a person that talks about international basketball in some regard, and uh, and it's uh, it's something that uh, that was a longtime joy for me 300 uh, episodes is a, a shade under 6 years and uh, did not miss a single week in those 300 uh, uh, 300 episodes uh, you know that's everything involved between that you know work going to olympics going uh, on uh, on honeymoon going to everything um, and, uh, but it, it, cause it meant a lot for me and, uh, and, and because my, the, the, the people who followed the, the show mean a lot to me, meant a lot to me and still do mean a lot to me. And I wanted to, uh, make sure that that, uh, did not, uh, I wanted to rekindle that love if you will. And, uh, so this is the start, uh, the relaunch of taking the charge podcast, uh, I, I hope you enjoy it as much as I will be enjoying it. Uh, I'm lining up some guests already, have a couple already uh, set up, and uh, look forward to getting them out there for you. Uh, our first one is a is a is a is a big name in the in in the world of basketball. Jorge Garbayosa, longtime Spanish national team player. Uh, is currently the president of the Spanish Basketball Federation, is also uh, a member of this FIBA Central Board and the FIBA Competitions Commission. And uh, we talked, I, I didn't want to really go into his career that much, uh, wanted to mainly focus on, on s- some of the tasks that he's uh, going through now. There's, you know, if you want to look into his past, you know, and everything, there's so many different avenues that you can go there. And so I wanted to kind of, you know, uh, 
offer him a chance to kind of give us some feedback on, on what things are going on Spanish Federation basketball and uh, and then uh, some of the issues going on in Spain and then a little bit as well as, as FIBA as well uh, obviously you know Spanish Basketball Federation president FIBA central board you, you know it's it's not easy to get uh, to get his time and so I really wanted to take uh, take uh, advantage and try to touch on the different things so one note before the interview um the the sound quality is not ideal um but uh, over the course of the interview uh, you will definitely sort of let's say get accustomed to it uh, so in, enjoy and we will catch you on the other side all right so on the taking the charge podcast is Jorge Gorbayosa, the president of the spanish basketball federation and a former legend of the game uh Jorge, thanks for coming on it's a great pleasure to be to join you today um just maybe first off uh talk about how happy you are to see fans back in the stands after a long time without them obviously you were a player and you know the energy uh that the fans bring you as a player and now as a, a member of the federation you know the president of the federation how happy um to have the fans and and, and everything that goes around with that uh, back in the stands for me and for all the, all the basketball, let's say, ecosystem in, here in Spain, uh, is the best news that we have uh, that we had in the last year and a half, almost two years, because uh, playing basketball is a great experience, but playing basketball in front of the fans is, uh, is the reason of our lives, let's say. All what we do, all what I've been doing in my life uh, when I was a player now uh, in relation, uh, to do it for the fans. Whatever you do, even if you do a perfect uh, thing, whatever it is, uh, if nobody's watching you, it's uh, your, your job doesn't make sense. So uh, now on the, on, on the arenas or even watching on TV, when you see uh, the, the, the fans having fun watching their, their, their favorite, their favorite sport as basketball is, uh, it's, it's, a, it's a huge experience. But uh, as, a, as an ex-player, as a former player, you can see easily that the, the approach, let's say, of the players to the game, uh, when they know, when they see the fans of the stands, is completely different. For sure, they are full professionals, all of them. But uh, even if you don't think about it, uh, your feelings, your, your what you have inside when you come in, when you come in the court uh, and you see the fans and you feel their energy, uh, the game is completely different. So it's the best news, as I said at the beginning. The business that we have, we had in the last, uh, as I said, year and a half, or a bit more. Uh, going from bad, from good news to, um, I'd say less good news, uh, but news that we all kind of expected that would come soon. Obviously, you played many, many years and, and had some magical uh, experiences with Pau Gasol. Um, your thoughts about um, a player of his magnitude and how much he's meant to the game. Uh, Around the world, NBA, Spain national team, everything else uh, that goes around uh, his whole personality and his character. Um, maybe, what were your thoughts about him hanging it up? The, the career of Paulo is uh, is uh, one of the most interesting career I ever seen in my life. Uh, the fans, for sure, when they think about Paulo as well, they will think about uh, when he get the championship with the Lakers or. Uh, or many medals that he got with a, with, a, with a national team in France, in Japan, whatever it is. Uh, 
Uh, but if you watch globally all his career, uh, it's a huge, huge um, life uh, experience. Uh, you remember that uh, on the World Cup in 1999, uh, when Spain won the, won the gold medal in the United States in Lisbon, uh, Pau was not even in the starting part of the team. There were all the players, huge players, uh, Felipe Reyes, Antonio Bueno, Germán Gabriel, uh, who played more minutes than, than Pau. Uh, he was a kind of three men, four men, something, you know, like he was not defined his role on the court. Uh, and working hard, improving every day, but working really hard, not just as a work, working hard every day on the court. I've been practicing with him for over than the, more than 10 years. And I can, I, I watched it, you know, in the first, the first row of his practices and uh, trying to learn every day, trying to improve every day uh, to become, uh, without in my opinion, any doubt, one of the most important uh, basketball players in the history on, on the world. For sure, there are a lot of them, extraordinary players, but Pavis in this, uh, in this group, big group, and this group of the, of the best players in the world now possible. You are the president of the Spanish Basketball Federation, and you know we also saw Mark Gozol uh, retire from the national team. Felipe Reyes has has has, uh, has, uh, has retired from the game as well. Rudy's probably not too far away. How long did Sergio Sergio and and uh, and Sergio Rodriguez uh, stick around? Um, you know, and those are some giant names. Obviously, uh, you know Calderon uh, a few years ago as well. Those are some enormous names in a federation. Uh, how and and we saw sort of a generational change, or at least the start of a generational change, also then in uh, the World Cup and and in the Olympics. How would you? How do you feel about the health of the of the next generation of the Spanish national team? First of all, I would say that. Um... Uh, they made something uh, really impressive. Uh, now, Pau will retire, and Mark Gasol retired from the national, national team, uh, even Sergio. Uh, it looks like they are, you know, like quitting, but they are not quitting. It's, it's a matter of age, it's a matter of years and years and years playing with the national team jersey on. I mean, Pau uh, make a huge effort two years trying to recover from a difficult injury to come back to play his last game with the national team, which is. Uh, the best uh, example example of commitment with a uh, with uh, with a jersey with a, with a, with a national basketball as also so to everybody. But uh, Mark retired. He's 36 years old. He has been playing 15 years since 2006 with the national team, which is is, is a huge success uh, example of, of commitment. But even Sergio, Sergio's his first tournament was in 2005 on the Eurobasket in Serbia. Uh, so. They, they make something, uh, they make two things which are uh, crucial for us. First of all, to play a lot of years, showing the best performance every single day with the national team. And plus, they leave a legacy for the new generation who is coming in uh, about what it means to play for the national team, the Spanish national team. In uh, for these kids, who are, and, and the third thing is that they give us more time or give these kids more time to become men, let's say. So, uh, Juancho Hernan Gomez, Billy Hernan Gomez, uh, Alberto Valde, Alex Abrines, they had the, the great chance, the great opportunity to learn from them on the same team. So that gives us uh, a lot of uh, hope for the future. Even if you start to think that we have 
that we have this year, two young brilliant players as Garuba is or Alaba is playing in the best league as the NBA is. Uh, plus Carlos Salote, plus a lot of young players who are already in the national team. Pedro Lirola, Ricky Rubio is only 30 years old. Uh, a lot of players um, who make us to be uh, very, very excited about the future. And, and talking about the, the players who, who have been retired in the last summer, if you think about it, from the, from the World Cup in 2019, when we became uh, the world champions, uh, just one player retired is Margasol. We know Rudy is uh, 36, and there's a possibility, but his commitment with the national team is really impressive. So um, if we became national uh, world, world champions in 2019, just one player said that he's not going to be part of the national team anymore because of his perfectly understandable reasons. Uh, with the young kids, as, as I said, Garuba, Lama, etc., etc., uh, we are really, really excited about the, the, the short term future. Uh, you're you're sitting in your office uh, at the uh, Spanish Fe uh, Basketball Federation, and uh, you took over as the uh, president in 2016. So that's five years ago already. And uh, I know you might hear that and think, "Wow, that uh, time time has flown uh, flown really fast." Um, maybe let's. The, I want to ask a couple things about Spanish basketball uh, uh, and how things are going on right now. Maybe the biggest thing you are happy to have accomplished in the first five years? Uh, I would say three things, if you allow me. First of all, when I get the presidency of the, of the national of the, of the federation, uh, the situation was really difficult, extremely difficult. Mm -hmm. uh, financial reasons, uh, let's say, uh, stakeholders reasons, because um, there were some, a lot of doubts about it. For what happened in the, the past. And uh, my personal job was try to convince everybody that we are a fair organization, that we are a, a transparent organization, that we are going to be, uh, we, we will make mistakes for sure. Uh, every day we make a lot of mistakes, but always with transparency, with our best, uh, best energy, with our best proposal to do, uh, to develop, to keep developing basketball in our country. The second thing, uh, would be uh, the development of the women's basketball. We invest a lot of money, a lot of time, a lot of resources, human resources. Uh, we organized the World Cup 2018. We organized the Eurobasket in 2021. We will organize the uh, World Cup under 19 in 2023 here in our country also. Uh, we were the first women's league who show all our games on, uh, on a social media, uh, as Twitter uh, is uh, every week. We show one of our, our, our games at the National, National League, Women's National League. We create last summer a third, a new third league uh, women, uh, developing a lot of programs for the, for the, for the players, for the women's players. So there's a lot of work to do, a lot of, a lot of way to work, to work, but we have been doing um, a lot of, we, we, pay, we put a lot of energy to, to, to try to develop what we believe in women's basketball is, a, is, a, is an important uh, strategic pillar for the future. And then, uh, my, I truly believe that if we want to make the basketball bigger in our country, we have to do two things. We have to collaborate, we have to uh, work uh, to make the, the Spanish the sport in Spain bigger, 
and the basketball in the world leader. So we have to, we, we, can, we cannot do it on our own. We, want to, we don't want to be the first one. Um, but if the, if, the, if the sport, if the basketball is not big, we want to develop our basketball collaborating with, uh, with international organizations, with the Spanish organization of other sports. What would you say is the biggest task that you have, the, the next big t- task that you have right now that, you, that you're tackling? A lot of them, but I would say three, even four. One is, as we have been talking before, uh, to create the best ecosystem for the young players who, who are becoming uh, uh, main players of the national team, men and women. We, are, we have a lot of, as I said before, young players, men and women. We have been talking about Alama Garuba, but we can, we can talk more about Carrera, about Conde, about Cazorla. We have to help them to become leaders of the national team in the, in the future tomorrow. Uh, this one thing that I love is to organize international competitions. Because it's a challenge for our organization, but even because every time we organize a tournament, we see that more players, more new players start to play basketball. Uh, more clubs, uh, more teams, more. Uh, we said that. that Every time you organize an international tournament, you shake you, you know, the basketball and you create something new. That's so important for us. The development of our leagues, of our, you know, Leboro, Liga Femenina. Uh, we are trying to increase the visibility, uh, the value of the competition. As I said at the beginning, we have a lot of work to do, um, but we are on the way. And, uh, and therefore, uh, for me, it's important that to keep the the image of, the, of this of this federation. We we have been working with uh, with, the, with the minister of the sport in Spain, with the Olympic Committee, with FIBA, with FIBA, with the Olympic Committee. Whoever uh, thinks that we can collaborate, that we can help them in any way uh, to maintain our 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 responsibility to collaborate with everybody, because whatever is good for the for the ecosystem for our environment. As, as someone, uh, and you mentioned the youth, and, and someone who covers a lot of youth basketball over uh, over the last you know dozen years or so, uh, one of the things that that uh, you know has come you know really sort of uh, has been really clear uh, in the uh, in Spanish clubs is that there's a there's a lot of uh, international players, let's call them non-Spanish players, uh, in the system, and and obviously there's the there's the the regulation that, you know, if they are in there uh, before their 16th birthday, that, that makes them a lot easier to later become uh, a formation player, um, sort of play as a Spanish, if you will, sort of the de- designation would be formation player. And, and you look at a team like Basconia where, you know, they only brought in Alex Barrera. Otherwise, really, they don't have any other Spanish, Spanish, Spanish player. Um, and, and there are concerns in the country as far as, as far as, the number of Spanish players uh, on teams. Um, how much is that something that you are trying to tackle, and 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 what sort of ways are you looking at to 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 maybe adjust that, or what what are your thoughts on on that issue? For sure, we are let's say worried about it. We are uh, continuing. I mean, we have a lot of conversation, and we will have it in the future with uh, with the ACB. 
and with the Players Association also, uh, to, uh, to try to, to create the scenario where the Spanish players can, can have, let's say, more opportunities to, 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 to become um, better and better players. Uh, but there's an example, there's a few examples, some of them, which are really interesting to explain, uh, that invest from the Spanish basketball player uh, is, is, is really important for the, for the clubs. As you said, uh, for example, Valencia, if I'm not wrong, four years ago, they won the Spanish league, which is not easy because usually Madrid or Barcelona are the ones who, who, who win the league. But Valencia won the league with, if I'm not wrong, six Spanish players. And there's another another category that I like it a lot is that when you play coming from whatever, uh, Europe or even overseas, uh, they key stay for a long term uh, with a team as the sample of Dublin, which in Valencia, he's from, uh, from he's very Spanish for sure, but uh, if you talk to him, he knows what play for Valencia means. He's really, you know, uh, committed with the team, with the, with the society, with the community there. So this is an important thing. But Valencia is an example, but Real Madrid is a great example also. Madrid, we are seeing that Madrid have been probably one of the best Real Madrid of the history uh, the last 10 years um, with players as Felipe Reyes, as Sergio Rodriguez, Carlos Suárez, uh, a lot of a lot of Spanish players now, Carlos Alcén, Avalde, uh, Jules, uh, a lot of them, uh, bigger than Gomez also. Uh, but now Malaga also, Malaga with Jaime Fernández, with Vizcoela, Barreiro, uh, Alberto Díaz, uh, Rubén Guerrero, a lot of Spanish players. And you can see that, uh, that it's, it's, it's a good project for, for basketball. So what I would like to say to other class, that with all my respect, that they take their own their own decision, let's say, but invest us uh, in a Spanish player is a good investment. One, one, uh, one thing that you haven't mentioned, actually, uh, um, and I'm going to say it, I actually kind of a little bit surpri surprises me is that uh, uh, is the, is your your uh, involvement or, or past involvement and, and sort of, uh, you know, your own desire to, to improve and push the, the three on three game. Um, you obviously played at the, at the FIBA three on three world championship back in, in 2012, right at the end of your career, we, we, we saw uh, the Tokyo Olympics uh, have their first Olympic uh, champions. Uh, Latvia won, won gold. Um, and uh, you know, the, you know, this is this is a this is a, this is a discipline that FIBA has also been really pushing. Um, maybe you, your thoughts about um, the current state of the game and or the game or discipline, however you want to uh, classify it, and and what you want to do to push it. I know that that FIBA is pushing it uh, uh, quite a bit, and I know you're with the FIBA as well uh, on the competitions commission. Um, just maybe your your thoughts about the three and three. Um. Would agree that uh, three on three is the is the future. Actually, uh, one year ago when I was re-elected for, for a new period of four years, uh, I present to our assembly our, our strategic program and say one of one of the four strategic pillars was the development of three on three. Last summer, I mean, we started too late to develop the program of three on three because you need time to create new players, men and women, uh, and we try to do our best without any too much time, let's say. Uh, we were so close to qualify for the Olympic Games. We lost uh, uh, the 
her time in the, 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 the OQT in Graz, in Austria, with our women's team. Uh, but then one of the best news last summer, which it was, it, it was not a, uh, the best summer of our history, let's say, uh, the best news probably was the, when the, our women's trilogy team won the, won the Euro basket in France, in Paris, in a huge, in a great environment, in a great place. Uh, that helped us a lot for the present, but even more for the future. Because when we watched the games there with 2,500 people on the stands, uh, you know, the 3-on-3 three three is the kind of game that took the young fans' language, let's say. It's a short, short game with music, with a, a show around it. Um, you play out, outdoor. Um, it's a great, let's say, uh, product for the, for the young fans. And uh, we will try to, I mean, we will try to, we are working to develop our trophy program. The women's, let's say, it's in a good way. We, as I said, we were so close to qualify for the Olympic Games. And the men's, we have to renew it. We created three years ago, we had to stop it last year because of the pandemic, mm-hmm. our first uh, professional trophy league, uh, the Valai trophy tour. Uh, and now we are working on two different ways. One, one is to, to, let's say, to push, to encourage our regional federations to create their own uh, three or three leagues, and then they will qualify for the national league in the summer, etc., etc. And we are working. Our project is to try to organize in the last summer our first um, three or three Spanish championship under 19, under 17. We are working a bit with the with the sport area, but we want to create, uh, let's say, the, the pyramid of the three or three, which it was not created. We create some tournaments. We create some. We participate on, on some uh, championships on, on the World Tour, etc., etc. But we didn't define yet our three pyramid. We are working on it, and hopefully, we will start from this next summer. Is is a crossover of people who follow, let's say, five on five to three on three? Is that something that you're that leading officials are trying to push for i mean i mean do we do we need to get like a bigger name from five on five to say you know and maybe that's money to you know i'm gonna play i'm gonna play three on three it's a different game and it, and and has a different status and everything that's involved uh, with it as well but is is there a crossover that 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 the those sort of the leaders are trying to incorporate or or are you or is it really just let's let three on three grow organically as it is and it's and it's entirely separate from five on five. And if somebody from five on five wants to come and play, then that's that's what it is. I mean, you're. I mean, you. I mean, of case, uh, there's there's the, there's the Serbian, uh, uh, the Serbian guys who who are you know sort of big stars and whatnot. But you know, there's it's it's because the, the I also the way that things grow is is through the stars as well and and big names and whatnot. And so that's. You know, and so you have to create these big names within the game. So just wondering if there, if there's, if there's any thoughts of thoughts of the crossover between five and five, three and three. Uh, I give you an example. In 2012, I just retired from the, my career at five, five, and I played three months later. Two months later, they were the first three or three World Championship, and uh, I noticed then really easily that three or three is, I wouldn't say a completely different game, but it's different. This is pretty different. Uh, so that helps me to understand that, as I said before, we start a program because of different reasons, that uh, financial problems in the past, whatever. Uh, we start to lay. So we are not trying to do a transition. Let's say we are 
with some 500 players who are helping us, collaborating, trying to play with the three of three, as Nacho Martin, as Sandra Guilavide, as Aitana Cuevas, as Vega. And they are help, helping us a lot and helping themselves, for sure, but helping us a lot on the development of the development of the three. But when I talk, told you before about that we want to create a pyramid of the three of three basketball, is because on the middle term, let's say middle term, future term, we want to create, we have our own three on three players, not specific, yeah. not, not specific three on three players. Now it's good for this transition that some of them are coming, you know, three on three players, specific three on three players, combined with five on five players. But for the future, we know that if we want to be successful, uh, we have to have their specific three on three players. I know you're probably getting short on time. I just want to tackle two two quick things, others as well. Um, I would be remiss if I didn't ask you, um, as someone who is uh, has uh, wears so many hats uh, and uh, and is connected uh, sort of indirectly and in the past and whatnot. Um, and I know this is only really an issue for Europe, but you know there's a lot of people in Europe who do who are affected by it. Just was wondering your opinion about the FIBA Euroleague uh, disputes, um, and uh, and do you foresee that uh, that there that a resolution can come? Uh, like I said, it's really just a, a, a European issue. Euro Cup teams are are obviously able to uh, release their players, uh, and it's really only a couple of of rounds of games from the Euroleague side. Just was wondering your thoughts on that whole debate. For sure, um, let's say I have my opinion for sure, but uh, I want to be very respectful with the people who are in charge of the different organizations, uh, which is not my task, but I, as I said, as, as a national federation, we are really affected. Uh, as, uh, let's say as a Spanish federation, we have to, to defend the value of our competitions, starting with the ACB League. Uh, uh, and my feeling is that Euroleague, because it's not connected with the rest of the ecosystem of basketball in Europe, are, are harming, let's say, the, the value the, the, of other competitions that the national, team, the national leagues are. Then, uh, in this moment of the world, of, the, of our lives, uh, we, I think everybody's agreed that together means better. Let's say, if you coordinate the calendar for the national teams, for the, for the uh, national leagues, for the European competitions, First of all, you're going to protect your brother. And then you're going to protect the main thing, the most important thing that we have in our, in our sport, in every sport, which are the players. We cannot expose our players to play, to play 90 games, 100 games per season, which is, is, is not fair, it's not, it's not realistic. So with a coordinate calendar, uh, everything would be uh, much more easy, let's say. Uh, with, I've been part of some negotiations with the national leagues, between FIBA, FIBA Europe, national teams, and everybody had the purpose to, to get an agreement. It's not easy sometimes because there's a lot of things that you have to put in common on the table, but when you sit on the table and you negotiate and you talk about it, not always, but usually you find agreements. And the agreements are always positive, mainly, as I said, for the players, which are the key thing in this, mm -hmm. in this, this business. Uh, but when you try to negotiate with one part that never want to negotiate, they want to do it on their own, it's difficult. So uh, if you see the, the, say the, the full map, it's not that easy to put in common 
it's not that it's not a difficult, excuse me, to put in common the national leagues, the national teams, and the European competitions. BCL is doing it. BCL create a, a, a system of competitions who increase the value of the, of the, the, the BCL, but at the end, but, but at the same time, excuse me, respect the value of the national leagues and respect the value of the most important, and let's say the, the top of the pyramid of the basketball in the country, the national team. And if the national team, you can see with easily, if the national team works, let's say, have success, the national league is better, the, the grassroots are better, everything is better. When the national team is not that good, it's a, that affects to the, to the basketball all over your country. So uh, there's a lot of examples. The, the best example, in my opinion, is BC. You can uh, combine the value and the interest of the national league, the national team, and of the European competition. And uh, that would be the key, as I said. Uh, my feeling, my personal feeling, is that the, the solution is not that far because it's just a matter of, of, of to want to do it. Uh, and, uh, but if, somebody, if one of these partners want to do it, make it much more difficult. My my last my last question topic whatever is is uh, you you're on the FIBA central board and you're the chairman of the competitions commission for FIBA, um, maybe obviously you know we know that uh, in terms of competition we know that uh, you know Africa has has been not able to do the home and aways as as most of the other uh, as, as most of the rest of the world has been able to do just organizationally they're not they're they're not quite there yet. Um, obviously there's a pandemic that, you know, is, is hitting, you know, everywhere and, but it seems like Asia is, is, you know, uh, a little bit harder to, to get things organized as well. Um, maybe just on the last thing, just maybe some of the things that, 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 you know, specifically the, the, the competitions commission, which then you're the chairman of, um, that you're working on there. And then, uh, what the, you know, the, the next sort of, um, you know, things that you, the next building blocks for the central board? Well, um, let's say in the beginning, I would say that, for example, you talk, you talk about the, the Basketball African League. For my opinion, it's an extremely interesting project to, to develop basketball in Africa, but not even in Africa. Do you, do you see how, how the basketball is growing up in Asia, in South America also, men's and women? I don't know, this is an example, Puerto Rico women, when the past was not that successful, let's say, in America was close to win. So, I mean, there's a lot of countries, a lot of regions who are doing an extremely good job to develop, uh, develop basketball uh, in, their, in their regions or even in their countries. Uh, as, the, as the chairman, first of all, I would say that for me it's a huge, huge, huge honor to be member of the, of the, of the central board and the chairman of the, of the competition commission. But uh, uh, just saying like a kind of joke, uh, I was not uh, aware about how, how important, I mean, how difficult uh, have been the last two years since the pandemic started. <laughs> I uh, organize all the competitions. <laughs> you're talking about uh, the, the Eurobasket, you're talking about the America, you're talking about the Asia Cup, you're talking about the Windows, Playing in bubbles all over the world, how many how many challenges let's say that we faced in the past about where, where to organize this this bubble that team cannot travel that team cannot get there that team is in, uh, is in quarantine in the countries uh, how to handle to postpone or not postpone some 
regional, uh, uh, as, as I said, the Asia Cup or the, the America to move from the dates with all that means. It's not just a matter, a matter to say we play Euro, we play United that's it. There's a lot of agreements, contracts of the, of the host countries, etc. Cetera, et cetera. It was really challenging, but from the perspective of the, of the competition, of the Global Competition Commission, but as an European, European president, uh, one of the best uh, moments that I had is when we try, when we coordinate the, the, the work with the different uh, regional offices, as working, for example, with the, with the European Competition Commission, uh, try to combine all the interests or whatever it was needed to for the competition, best for the players, best for the teams, best for the federations, best for the competition, for FIBA, for FIBA Europe, for FIBA Asia, whatever, was really challenging. But I would say that in these five years and a half at the, here in the National Federation, the National Space Federation, is what probably one of the moments working hard with all the difficulties in front of us, we thought really challenging, but it was a great, great, great experience for me as a, as, as a person, as a professional. Okay, Ari Gobarriosa, the uh, president of the Spanish Basketball Federation and the uh, member of the FIBA Central Board and the chairman of the uh, FIBA Comp Competitions Commission. Thank you for your time. I really appreciate it. And, uh, and good luck in mastering all those challenges you have on your plate. It was a great pleasure. Thanks a lot. All right. Fantastic stuff. As I expected, uh, you know, uh, a man wearing so many hats, uh, you know, it's it's he, he it's it I, I talked to him afterwards and I, and I'm really happy that 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 someone like him is is uh is a important uh, person in the in the game right now and uh, I think I think uh, he, he's a, a very valuable asset and I think that uh that the the world of basketball is um I, he has he has the the good of of the of world basketball in 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 mind so really happy about that um so thank you very much appreciate you listening to the show i hope you enjoyed that interview uh like i said at the beginning this is the relaunch uh you saw you, you know if you were if you know me before you know that uh consistency is uh, something that i really value you got 300 episodes uh, uh, from me, and uh, so I'm not going anywhere. I'm back uh, with Taking the Charge, the podcast. Uh, so we will talk to you next week. Thank you. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast. Don't forget to subscribe to Taking the Charge on Substack. Follow me on Twitter at High News, H-E-I-N-N-E-W-S. Uh, that's all the places that you can find me. I write some in different places. Most of the places that I do write, uh, I will tweet uh, when I am, uh, when I've published something, BCL, uh, Euro Cup, whatnot. Uh, so uh, just follow me on Twitter uh, and uh, enjoy. Hope you guys have a great week, and we'll talk to you next week. <laughs>